there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm so glad you're tuning in today. This sixth season has been wild. The viruses are aplenty, whether it's the snot and the sneezes, or the coughs and the sore throats, or the earaches. We still got the mental load of everything that comes with COVID. Is it COVID? Is it the change in seasons? Is it the dry air? It's There's so much going on. So I invited my friend and colleague, Dr. Krupa Playforth, back onto the podcast. She's a board-certified pediatrician and mom of three herself, and we're talking about all the things. The proactive steps you can take before your kid's sick, the things that we can do once our kids are sick. And we're going beyond just talking about illness and we're talking about relationships. How can we actually support our kids while they're sick and building a healthy relationship with illness, with rest, with listening to their bodies, while also navigating all the stress and stressors that come with being a parent? Do you find yourself just waiting for the other shoe to drop? (laughs) Whether you are a stay-at-home parent or a working parent, This season can come with a lot of stress and a lot of decisions, and we are going to support you in navigating it all in today's episode. You are listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, Dr. Playforth. Thank you so much for being a repeat guest on the podcast. I desperately need to have this conversation with you. So I'm really excited to dive in. But before we do, could you introduce yourself to the listeners? They, if they don't know you already, can get to know you. Sure. Yeah. I'm happy to be here because, you know, I'm in the trenches with all of the other moms right now and, you know, dealing with sick kids. So my name is Dr. Playforth. I'm a board certified pediatrician and a mom of three kids. Um, And I started my social media platform, The Pediatrician Mom, to try to bring sort of a dose of evidence, but then also a dose of like mom reality to, um, you know, to the people. I, I think that there's this disconnect between often what the pediatricians will tell you to do and what you can realistically do as a parent. And I am trying to bridge that. I love that and so appreciate it. And that is exactly what you do. So I'll be sure to share links for folks to connect with you following this episode in the show notes because I have a feeling they're going to want to after (laughs) our conversation. Okay. Dr. Playforth, this season has been wild with the viruses. We, a few weeks ago, we got um, hand, foot, mouth. 
and that went through the house. And then we got COVID for the first time. It finally caught up to us and that went through all of us. And we got like a week reprieve. And then my youngest started to sneeze with some snot. And then <laughs> my son started to sneeze. And then I I woke up with a sore throat. My husband's sinuses were all over the place. And then my oldest, she's just like <laughs> she's just like an ox. I don't know. She's she's a different a different breed of human, and it didn't it didn't catch her. Um, but it's like what? Is it all like what is going on? What like it's there's so much to talk about about the layers and the challenges of having kids who are sick all the time and just feeling like, yeah, two weeks on being sick, we get one week off and then we're two weeks on again. And it's it's really challenging. It's stressful. Yes, and it is. Please, please help. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I'm mean, we've been in the same boat. Um, you know, we've had I think what's really hard about being a parent when your kids are sick is, you know, if you have multiple kids, then the illness kind of makes its way, like you said, from one kid to the next. And unfortunately, and usually the parents will catch it too, but you can't rest and recover, right? When you're the parent. So you are in charge of making sure that everybody else is feeling better and you kind of put yourself behind, you know, at the end of the end of the list so often. Um, so I'm still coughing from the last respiratory illness my kids gave me. Um, um, and, you know, it just, I, I don't have the opportunity to, to do all the things that we say we should do for our kids. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, this has been a truly crazy uh, respiratory season. And I think there's a few different reasons for that. Um, you know, I, I think a lot, the question on a lot of people's minds is, will it always be this way? And while I do not have a crystal ball, I do not think it will always be this way. But this year and maybe even next year, we're probably going to see this continued surge in viral illness. Um, and does that have anything to do with COVID and just all the like the fact that we weren't around all of these germs um, through the separation, like for those few years? Exactly right. So you know, for the last two years, a few different things have happened. We've all been a lot more diligent about things like washing hands and staying home when sick and masking. And you know, people haven't been doing quite as many big gatherings. And so, the last two years. The effect of that has been, A, we haven't been as sick, so we're no longer used to our kids getting sick. Um, and then, B, our kids are actually, we're actually getting less sick, right? Because they just weren't as exposed. So unfortunately, this year now, when they're exposed to all the things, some of our kids are facing those illnesses for the first time. Um, or they've not, they've had this kind of lag in exposure. Um, and so they are sick and they are spreading those germs. Um, and, and we have it's not just COVID and RSV and flu, adenovirus, like you said, hand, foot, and mouth. There's so many things that are going around right now. Our communities are just full of illness. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so true. Like I, I walked into my youngest little daycare right before we got this cold and I walked in and I saw the snot. Like I saw the snot coming out of the other kids' noses <laughs> and, and you know, I have so much compassion for like those parents and like the decision you have to make, right? And and I don't know, like that yeah. child could be on day 10 of like this thing, right? And so I I walked in and I was like, I walked out, like dropped her off and I was like, 
uh, it's just gonna like, like, is this gonna hit us? And like, sure enough, like four days later, she got that big sneeze first thing in the morning with all the snot that came out, and I was like, oh my god! And who knows that that's where we got it? But it's there's a lot of decisions, right? Because then that so we got sick before Thanksgiving, and you know, fortunately, it was enough time before Thanksgiving where when it came down to because we were hosting, mm-hmm. like we made the decision to you know still have Thanksgiving here, and we were outside, and no one was really sneezing anymore. But it's like there's so many decision points too, like. Do I, if my kid's healthy and I see all these kids sneezing and snot around the classroom, do I like not drop them off? Like I don't, yeah. I didn't have that option that day, you know. But that those these decision points, like, is oh, like be, being together for the holidays, like navigating all these decisions. So I know there's so many layers to this conversation. Um, you also talked about like being a parent and just the load of <laughs> being a parent right now. But let's, I want to get to all those things. But like first, let's, let's talk about like, what are some actual tangible ways that folks can be proactive during this like really crazy wild viral season? Um, so we can talk a little bit about prevention and also management, right? So so preventing illness. Um, I kind of feel like sometimes I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. We just got two emails from my kid's school saying that there are two kids. Um, they don't identify who, but there are two kids with flu in her class. Um, and so it's almost like I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for that that to happen to us. Oh my gosh. And that waiting game is so hard. <laughs> that waiting game is like stressful, the mental load of it's it. It's even harder when you have like a really little one in the house or like even a toddler where you know that they're not exactly keeping their hands to themselves, right? She's seven. So they're pretty good about keeping their hands to themselves, but it's still exposure. Um, so yeah. some things that you can do for prevention. Right now, there are so many ads on social media and on, on TV for immune boosters. And I hate to disappoint everybody. I promise you, if there was some solution to boosting our kids' immunity and protecting them, the pediatricians would be shouting it off the rooftops. We would be giving it to our own kids, you know? Uh, nobody's holding out. Um, there just isn't data that supports a lot of these over-the-counter um, uh, supplements that, that people push, you know, zinc, uh, vitamin C, even elderberry. I mean, there's some mixed data for elderberry, which I kind of go to, go through on my Instagram. But um, but the issue is in in kids, we don't know what dosages are safe. Uh, those those supplements are not regulated, and truly, there just isn't data. When we think about preventing illness, it it just gets back to going totally old school, washing your hands. Um, you know, we got used to with COVID thinking about respiratory transmission for illness. And it's easy to assume that things like RSV and flu are the same, but actually those can be transmitted on surfaces too. So washing your hands becomes even more important. Um, and you want to do that frequently. You know, I make my kids wash their hands once they can come in from school, if they've been outdoors, and then obviously before you're eating and stuff like that. Um, staying home when sick as much as possible. I am very sympathetic to this. You know, we still have to work, right? Like we all still have to fulfill our other obligations. And sometimes, like you said, you just cannot keep your kid home. Um, But doing your best when they're really sick to keep them home, um, just because even if something is a relatively mild illness for your child, doesn't mean that there isn't a kid with cancer or some other immunocompromise in their classroom who will get really sick if they're exposed. Um, but, you know, good sleep, good eating, 
physical exercise, staying active. These are the, that's the um, pedestal that we are all aiming for. I don't know that we will achieve it, and we certainly do not achieve it for <laughs> ourselves as parents, but um, that's kind of what you want to be thinking about for your kids. Okay, so you mentioned food and sleep, and and we know we know that that's so important when it comes to our health and our immune system. And when you've got kiddos, we've got sick kiddos, like when it comes to sleep and meals and eating and nourishment, do you have any suggestions or tips to – create the best, at least opportunities for sleep when somebody's sick or when you are anticipating like there's been some sort of exposure with one kid and like, you know, you're waiting for each of us to, you know, fall down with it. Um, the best ways <laughs> to like promote the best opportunities mm -hmm. for sleep, right? Because obviously sleep isn't forced, right? We just create opportunities and environments exactly. for it. Yeah. And then in terms of nourishment, just like any any ideas in terms of like things that kids will actually eat um, that does have like immune supportive components to it. You know, kids typically are going to be pretty good about eating fruits and less good about eating vegetables. I mean, that's true of a lot of grownups as well. Um, fruits contain nutrients. They contain great nutrients, the same nutrients that vegetables do, sometimes in different quantities, but or different concentrations, I should say, but um, but they still contain those nutrients. So if your child wants fruit, give them fruit. It is okay. Um, smoothies are a big hit, and they're they're easy to do, and you can kind of sneak some veggies in there uh, a lot of the time. Um, and then hydration. I think we also put a lot of pressure on ourselves, right? So sometimes I'm hesitant to talk about like the diet and the sleep just because then I think it's like introducing another layer of mom guilt. Oh, well, my mm -hmm. kid got sick because <laughs> I wasn't doing a good enough job. And obviously that's not true. You can only control what you can control. Exactly. Um, like you said, we create opportunities, but then that's all we can do. Yeah. Um, so with sleep, I think what's hard when your kid is sick is that a lot of illness will disrupt sleep. Um, for the ill patient and for you. And so doing what you can, arming yourself with the tools to provide the opportunity for comfortable sleep is helpful. So what we do in our house when our, my kid is snotty, which is almost all the time right now, um, we do steamy showers before bed. We do the saline drops with the Frida. I just literally this weekend bought this um, Boogie Wipes Micro Mist Saline Inhaler because a couple of people sent me a message about it and I was like, I'm curious about this and I actually really liked it. Um, we do saline um, neb treatments with a handheld nebulizer um, as well when my kids are super congested and all of that helps bring out that snot. If your nose is less congested, you're more likely to sleep comfortably. Um, honey for children over the age of one has been shown to decrease nighttime coughing and to improve nighttime sleep. So when my kids are sick, we do some honey before bed. Um, and then honestly, Tylenol or Motrin, um, sometimes body aches and fevers and things like that are going to wake you up or keep you up. So just using the tools that you have to provide as much opportunity for good sleep and then recognizing that sometimes you just can't control it and you do what you do. Right. Right. That's a very important reminder when it comes to all this. Okay. So <laughs> speaking of sleep, there is this trend going around on TikTok where people are putting potato slices in their mm -hmm. socks and onions by their bedside table. I mean, it's, it's interesting. And like, I also understand like just everyone's desire to be like, okay, it can't, that can't hurt. So why not try it? But I'm curious to hear your thoughts. 
So believe it or not, yesterday I sat down and I got really into the data on coughs um, and congestion to see, you know, what evidence there is. And actually, I've been kind of looking at a lot of these because I've seen some of these same videos, right? So there's like a nasal irrigation series that is going around social media. And I went and looked at what the data we have on that and the safety data. Um, and then I looked for this onion and potato stuff too. Um, yeah. Truly... There's no support for that, um, but in the end, it's not harmful. So if you right. want to do it, go to town. But I think what you'll end up with is mostly just stinkiness and not very much. Uh, you know, put put the food in, in, put it in their food if you can, rather than in their uh, at, on their feet. Um, but <laughs> the yeah, there's always claims. I mean, that onion and potato, those those. Um, those tricks have been around for centuries. Um, And so I think people just assume, oh, if it's been around a long time, there must be some truth to it. But that's not the case, unfortunately. I wish there was. Yeah. And there's also cultural and like ritual components. Like Mm -hmm. I, I have memories when I was little of my grandmother would once in a while cut up an onion and like put it next to my bed because um, we spent a lot of time with her. And so like that was not something unfamiliar to me. And while I don't have necessarily like nostalgic memories around the onion by my bed, <laughs> I, do, I do have nostalgia around um, like vapors rub. And it's like even just like that smell brings like a sense of like comfort to me, mm-hmm. right? And so I don't know. I think that like there and I think there's other ways to to access some of that um, chicken that noodle comfort, soup, right? Chicken, chicken noodle, noodle soup. soup. And actually, and believe it or not, there's data for chicken noodle soup being effective. I buy it. Yeah, I believe it. Not yeah. so. It's not just a placebo comfort effect, although that exists. Mm. It's yeah. also that some of the ingredients in certain types of chicken noodle soup actually decrease the amount of congestion and mu- mucus, thin out the mucus. So, so you know that that's a a remedy that has been around for centuries that has some basis. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that what what I kind of try to keep in mind for myself and for our family with that, with 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 my own story around like the the meaning of some of these rituals around illness that the people that cared for me and loved me would engage in that, you know, while we don't want to do anything that's obviously going to be harmful, right? Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, things that aren't regulated, we don't know dosage, like all, keeping all of that right. um, very much top of mind, there are certain things that like might not have the data around it, right? But still provide comfort, right? Yeah. Like in terms of okay, so let's say that somebody, you know, the smell of vapor, <laughs> like Vicks rub. I, I don't, I don't know anything about if that's it has data behind it, right? But like, let's say the smell of it is like soothing to you and like brings you like that comfort or. You know, you mentioned steam showers, like steam showers are one of those things that are a ritual, like in our family. And like, yes, I think it helps, but it's also one of those things that like when we're in there, the warmth of the steam, I just, I'm snuggling up with my child and like we're in there together and like she kind of quiets down, even if like there's been a lot of like energy, I think. I don't know. It's it's like a it's a ritual for us, and I don't think that we should underestimate the role mm-hmm. that has. No, so those are often overlooked, um, and some of those things just can't be studied in a way that's controlled. So just because there isn't data doesn't mean it does that yeah. there's no evidence. Um, 
I think that with since we have talked about Vix, um, I think yeah. a lot of people have that same association with that that smell. I will say some of the ingredients in like the standard Vix can cause bronchospasm or airway spasm. Mm. So particularly with something like RSV, where the young babies are primed to have bronchospasm or airway spasm anyway, yeah. like it's something you kind of want to be careful of. And, and some of those ingredients yeah. can actually paradoxically increase mucus production too. Oh my God. It's, yeah. just, it's just worth keeping in mind. But like you said, people have used yeah. it for a long time and people use it safely. Yeah. Um, so I would probably focus on doing that for older kids rather than like the really little ones. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. And I think that like when I look at like the ritual of it, right? So like, yes, there was this smell that because obviously like the smells can have a lot of nostalgia for mm-hmm. us, but there was also the like rubbing and the massage. Yes. Yes, I think there's so many, so we can take some of these things and, you know, with the information that you're sharing with us here and like bring out other components, right. That like create rituals within our family when illness has entered our family (laughs) form connection and comfort and soothing. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, I, I would, what I want my kids to, to take from their experiences as children around illness is that it's okay to slow down, mm-hmm. to listen to their body, to ask for help, and to expect from the people that the people that they choose to have around them that there's going to be care there, right? I love that, like, that. You know, and um, that. if they believe that, then I think that might support them later on in life when they're forming, you know, connections and relationships and. Um, you know, allowing themselves to slow down and not feel like slowing down makes them bad because they're not being productive, right? Mm-hmm. That rest is productive and that they can ask for help and ask for their needs. And, and gosh, maybe one day, like, you know, when they get in a steam shower and they're, they're out, you know, they're living on their own, they'll, they'll think of mom or they'll think of dad or, you know, they'll think of that. whoever it was in their life, you know, like, and there's, I think that, that all matters too, right? <laughs> I, I love that you're thinking about that. That's such a perspective shift. I've never really thought about what what the things that we do in terms of illness might be teaching my children for the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like that. So, I mean, if you take that a step further, I think it's also important to to realize that if we have a ton of anxiety around our kids being sick, which all of us are primed to do right now because of the pandemic, and we convey that, that might lead to them having more anxiety down the line too. So it's just worth keeping in mind because kids pick up on on our nonverbal cues so much that um, that you kind of have to be watchful about what your child is taking away from that. So I know the listener is probably going to be like, here she goes again, but like, here I go again. I think that doing our own work is one of the best gifts we can give to our children. Health anxiety is real. It is. Right? Like, and, and there's can be so many triggers around health for so many different reasons Mm -hmm. for folks. Mm -hmm. And it could, it could be anything from, you know, gosh, fear of something really bad happening, fear of death. It could be fear of, you know, having to, you know, call in sick from work mm-hmm. and or fall behind on- Or even the doctor, fear of the doctor. Fear of the doctor, absolutely. And 
it's, you know, I know a lot of folks will come into my virtual office because I'm a, I do teletherapy and well, like what brings them in initially is like, all right, I don't want to F up my kids, you know, <laughs> like, and I've got this anxiety and I, I notice it. Um, and I try my best, but like kids are so perceptive, right? So perceptive. Um, gosh, I just, I want to share an example just from yesterday, uh, and this doesn't have to do with health, but it just goes to show how perceptive they are. So my son is obsessed all of a sudden with Rubik's Cubes. Like he has been working for days on like figuring out this Rubik's Cube. We got him a book from the library. He's been watching videos. <laughs> and yesterday he was like, mom, he wanted me to like, he like got to a certain stage and wanted me to like take a look at it and help or like witness it and like be a part of it. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like I, you know, set the laundry aside and came over and sat with him because the youngest was napping. It was good timing. And <laughs> it's so interesting. He was, he's been having so much fun with this thing, but there was the next step. And I, here's what anxiety is. Anxiety is when we feel like we're facing a demand and we don't feel like we have the resources necessarily to like cope with it or deal with it. Like that's, that's a big, that's a big part of what anxiety is. And so I don't know how to do a Rubik's cube. And like, he was going to do the next step. We were, we were reading this book and I was so tense about it. I was like, wait, 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 are we, are you sure? Like, and he, his little body, I saw him, he sat back away from me, away from the cube that was in my hand. And he goes, I'm feeling ner- I'm feeling worried, mom. Like, and I, I I realized in that moment, like this is not his worry. This is my this is my stuff, right? Like, <laughs> all all of my old triggers around like perfectionism and like not wanting to be a disappointment and like needing to do it right in order to like please those people please people around me, and and then I noticed it and I paused and I took a breath. And I was like, and I told him, I was like, you know what, bud? I wonder if that's your worry. And maybe it is. It probably feels like it is in your body. Or if you're noticing that I'm really worried about this. And that might make that worry part of you kind of feel a little more worried, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, if, if she's worried, then there must be something here that's bad. To worry or, about, yeah. But, you know, he right? named it. He labeled a few. Like, that's so incredible. Well, it's not our first rodeo. <laughs> We've like, and again, that's every every moment of that. That's why every moment of a tantrum where big feelings are coming out, and honestly, moments of sickness, illness, like when we have these stressors in our life, these <laughs> to reframe it, it's it is stressful. Like, let's not minimize that, but like, it's also what we would call like these bang for our buck moments, right? Like. That was a bang for my buck moment of like seeing him be again, he was able to name that he was worried. But for me to notice that like that was mine, like that was my worry, right? That I was projecting out and that he was feeling and like and then and then absorbing as being his own, right? Um, and so I think that illness is also one of those like bang for our buck moments where mm-hmm. we get a chance to, and again, like call it what it is, like with probably less resources because we are, you know, not getting as much support and we're feeling like crap too, but opportunities for us to reflect on ourselves on like what, what's, what our triggers are around health and where maybe we need support so that we can show up for our kids, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. as they're building their relationship to health and illness too. 
that. Um, I think, yeah, uh, your story is kind of cool because it sounds like you he, you named the feeling too, and then you were kind of modeling how to work through it. And I, you know, that learning kind of builds upon itself for them, so that down the line, hopefully, this is something that's a little bit more. Um, there's more kind of muscle memory piece to it for him. Yeah, you know, you know, what's so interesting is what we ended up doing with the cube is <laughs> like once once we had that little conversation, I was like, okay, so I think that what I was worried and scared about was messing up. But what do you think about messing up on this cube? Have you messed up before on it? And he's like, yeah. And then I'm like, and then what do you do? He's like, then I I get to practice getting to that spot again. And so I looked at him and I was like, buddy, should we go? crazy and mess it up right now <laughs> he was like <laughs> he's like eyes got big and he's like okay and so then like that that thing that I was scared of right we leaned into it so instead of just trying to like you know just think positive thoughts or you know just stop the anxiety or to avoid it it's like what if we leaned into it and what is the worst we- that could happen Right, right, right. So, okay. So I think that like when it comes to illness, right, like I think that we we got to do our own work. Um, we, you know, and that might not happen like while you're sick, right? Like you might like maybe get feel better and then and then find out like where you can get support to kind of work through what some of those triggers are and anxiety that shows up around health is for you. And, and I think that there's, there's ways in which we can actually lean into, right, the things that we're scared of most and then support our kids in understanding what that is for them as well to be able to kind of have those conversations. But we got to do the work ourselves first, for Absolutely sure. Absolutely agree. We really do. Um, yeah, because what you don't want is for your child to feel like they did something wrong and that's why they're sick, right? You're telling them, wash your hands and stay away from sick people and all that. And then they get sick. Inevitable, because that's what happens when you're a kid. And suddenly they're like, did I do something wrong? Did I mess up? And and so I think having that narrative in mind as you approach um, illness in your child can be really important right now when we're all sort of suffering from this pandemic PTSD. Right. I also know that for myself, like one of my things, cycles and triggers and history story is that I tend to notorious for like being sick and like still showing up mm-hmm. to work, right? Like not 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 around other people. I'm not going to expose anyone else. I'll, I'll, I'll protect others, but I won't protect myself from like and like set that boundary, right? Like I'll keep working. And I think that you know, that's, there's definitely elements of hustle culture and like not looking at rest as being productive and a lot of stuff behind that. But what I notice is that when my kids are sick and like, yes, are there times when I'm like, you know, he just doesn't want to go to school today. Like, there's <laughs> going on. And I think intuitively, like there are the, the I think I really turn back to like my, my intuition, my, my like internal mother wisdom of like, okay, is, is, is this like, is there other stuff going on that might be keeping him from wanting or her mm-hmm. from going to go to school? But a lot of times I'll find myself feeling like, oh, I don't want them to miss school, right? Like I don't want them to fall behind right? and I'll get frustrated and, you know, I won't listen to them. And I, what I want them to believe is that they can trust their own body and their own experiences, right? And to communicate 
what they need and that rest is okay, right? Rest is productive. And so it's oftentimes in those situations too that I'll have to notice how I respond to them saying, I don't think I, I can go to school today. I'm not feeling good, you know? It's a hard balance to strike because uh, they are probably missing some school anyway and because of genuinely being ill. And so it's a hard balance to strike to kind of get to the point where you, where they are trusting their bodies enough to be honest um, without any kind of secondary gain. Right. Right. (laughs) And it is, it is a tricky, tricky thing to navigate. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that, but I think that there's there's certain words that we can use with them in these moments that can be helpful, right? So, okay, like we can pause, and like mm-hmm. it's so hard to do in the hustle of the morning. We can pause though and just give ourselves a beat, and kind of get down to their level and and like check in with them, look them in the eye, and be like, "What I want, I, I really want to hear what you're feeling in your body mm-hmm. right now, right?" Yes. Like, and so that giving them opportunity to like turn inward to notice to express and to say to them, I believe you, right? Like, I believe you, your internal, like what, and and gosh, maybe they're not sick. Maybe it's butterflies in their stomach because there's something going on at school, right? Regardless though, I believe you, right? They, which for them internalizes, I can like, when my body sends me signals, I can believe that. I don't, I don't have to look to the people and world around me to help me, to help me decide whether or not I'm feeling something or not, right? Like I, I can internalize and believe myself. And then, and then with our decision that we make in that moment of whether or not we believe that they can go to school or not, we can still say, I believe you. And, you know, based on what I know in terms of like when it's important to stay home and when it's not, right? Again, this is us being the leader mm-hmm. and like having our boundaries and communicating those to them so that they can build that trust that someone in here is paying attention to this stuff and in charge, then we can communicate to them whether or not we believe that it's going to be the best for them to stay home or to go to school, right? Yes, I like, believe you and I, we'll I figure it out together. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. a team. Yes. We're on the same team. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we've talked about um, proactive things, management. We've talked about <laughs> These moments can be, you know, actually really important parenting moments as well. And then can we talk a little bit about taking care of ourselves? Like when, when, right, like being a parent while being sick, while having sick children, like what the heck, how, how, like when I got, when we got COVID, I was like, you know what? I could really use a quarantine right now for my family. (laughs) But at that point, like the kids all had it already and like, there was no, I got, I got no quarantine. I'm like, dang it. Like I, like, this is not how I was supposed to be able to quarantine for my kids, <laughs> but <laughs> put on a bunch of um, Christmas movies and, and just kind of lean back oh a little. God. Um, I think it's important to, to realize that we're, there's nothing wrong with us for feeling the anxiety. You know, anxiety is not all bad. Um, we're evolutionarily designed to have this fight or flight kind of response. Um, and yep. it's adaptive. It keeps us safe. It keeps our kids safe. Um, that alert system that we have. Um, but when that alert system is on all the time, it becomes maladaptive. Um, and so some of the ways that I try as a 
parent, and I'm going to say, I'm going to be really honest here. Look, I am a pediatrician and I can be objective and look at the data and think about kids being sick when it's other people's kids. But when I, when it's my own kids, I'm not really any different than any other parent, because I think there's this like primitive brain that takes over yeah. and, and you can't objectively work through that very easily. Um, And so the things that I do are to reframe a little bit, um, you know, having you have to kind of learn that the world has a little uncertainty and a little bit of risk. Um, we've become so risk averse over the last two years, but, and, and, and so risk makes us uncomfortable, but illnesses happen even when you do everything perfectly. And at some point you've got to kind of realize that there's no risk-free option. You just, you know, it's all a balance of, of risks and benefits and, and you have to do a little bit of holiday activities and being with other people, even if that introduces some risk into your life. I know that, you know, you guys were lucky enough to be able to celebrate uh, Thanksgiving. Um, We had to cancel ours because my son woke up the night before the middle of the night vomiting. So, you know, there it was. Uh, Um, But uh, I think reframing also that there may be a silver lining there as well, right? So what we did is we made a brand new different Thanksgiving dessert at home um, that my daughter picked out and we watched a lot of, we, we had a ton of screen time and that's okay. Um, you know, it was just, it was comfortable time altogether and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah. But it, and it wasn't what we expected, but I think modeling for our kids that sometimes you have an expectation of the way things will go and then, and then things happen, life happens and that's okay. And you kind of have to, be willing to pivot a little bit and adjust that is a reminder for us too yeah yeah um oh so yeah so there's so many elements here to this idea of taking care of ourselves as parents during wild viral seasons like we're (laughs) in right now and I know that you know so it was hand foot mouth COVID and now this this recent illness and the screen time has been wild. Mm-hmm. And I've really had to meet the part of me that pops up with all the like guilt, shame mm-hmm. around that and like meet that part of me with like sturdy compassion. Compassion of like I get why the guilt's popping up right now because there's a lot of things that I value that <laughs> don't align maybe don't align necessarily with like like hours upon hours yep. upon days after days of screen time. But then I have to remind that part of myself, but you know what? You know what? You know what your kids also need, you know, besides breaks from screen time is they need a parent who's gotten rest and gotten space from them and been able to take care of herself so that when the screens are turned off and they have a meltdown about it because their brain is much, <laughs> you know, that that like you're able to be present. show up for them in the way that like you want to as a mom. And yeah. there's value I, in that so much value in that. Like I, there was so much screen time and I really had to meet the guilt with that awareness of like what it was I was prioritizing for myself. And that could be rest. Rest can be a priority because that is connected to so many things that I need in my brain and in my body in order to show up for the kids, like when they're healthy again, right? Or when it's time to turn off the screen for a moment, you know, (laughs) Um, to eat something. I don't know. Um, 
Another thing that we did is we would um, – I would sometimes have – I would FaceTime with family members mm-hmm. and, like, just hand the phone to the my, to my child and be like – and, like, and I would tell the person, like, hey, can you um hang out with my kid on the phone for a bit, right? So I can just, like, I don't know, have a moment where they're not touching me and, like, needing me and um, just someone else to talk to. Um, and those are those are such, those opportunities, right? For you know, if you don't have an, another adult in the home with you who can you know tag team with you, but I I, I do. I had my husband, and so we were both sick. Um, but we would ask each other, like we would gauge with each other, like where are you at? You know, like I might be at like twenty percent, and he might be at like forty percent, and that's mm-hmm. like neither one of us are operating at hundred percent, but he's operating at forty, and I'm at twenty, and so we would we would really check in with each other around this. And the the crazy thing about COVID especially is like it would come in waves. So like I might be all of a sudden like a 20%. He's like, I don't know. I was at that like an hour ago, but I'm feeling okay right now, right? So just having that like trust and um, gauging that with each other and really putting like numbers to it so that we could, you know, support each other in carrying the load of parenting. Um, But if you don't have another adult in the home, you know, really, really hard. It's hard, right? So we got to get creative and like screen time is, um, you know, was our best friend during those periods of time for me to take care of myself and FaceTiming with family members. Um, and, and then knowing that like, once we get on the other side of this, like that there might need to be some, some things we put in place to, to have, to have more support, right? Like Mm -hmm. if there wasn't anyone to FaceTime who was available, like I, I might not have the mental capacity to like figure that out in that moment, but I might want to get, you know, I might want to reach out to some people and see how I can activate my support system in a meaningful way. Or gosh, maybe if I, once I have the mental capacity to like have things in the home for a rainy day, right? You know, so that that Michael's sales section or the target section and just have like, yeah, we've got a whole cupboard full of, um, I mean, it's like Christmas projects from like two years ago mm-hmm. and Easter projects right. and stuff. And I just pull them out. It doesn't matter what time of year it is. Like sometimes yep. we just do those things. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, just being proactive in that way and activating your support system. Or if like you and your partner really struggle, like when when people are sick, right? Like not feeling supported by each other, then all right, maybe that's a signal to us that we we need more support. And I know couples therapy can be a really beautiful place for that work to happen because that's where, well, one, yes, I am a therapist, but two, that's one thing that my husband and I actually had to work through in couples therapy was like the minute I would get sick, it was, it was, it was a triggering for him and we had to understand why and what was going on in those moments so that we both felt supported when we were not feeling well. It's, it's the communication piece, right? And, and sometimes we need help figuring out how to do that in an effective way. Um, none of us are at our best when we're sick, right? Nobody, nobody is functioning at full capacity. And yeah. so it's easy to fall into mental patterns that aren't productive. Yep, absolutely. Okay, Dr. Playforth, where can folks find you if they are wanting to connect with you? Um, so I'm on Instagram and Facebook at The Pediatrician Mom, and my website's the same, thepediatricianmom.com. And I have a ton of free guides, like, you know, step-by-step instructions for how to hydrate your kids, step-by-step instructions for what to do if your child has RSV, red flags for when your child's coughing, like when you need to call the pediatrician, stuff like that. Um, so lots and lots of free resources. 
Beautiful. I will share links in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on, having this conversation with me. I truly enjoyed it and found everything you put out there so valuable. Thank you. Thank you so much. Likewise. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air. And go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also... For you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.